Hello and welcome back to Solid. My name's Jake. I'm, I'm, I'm steering the ship here. This is my my thing. I'm in charge. We're doing a, uh, a Battlehawks the the mid season review, and then we're gonna go into a Week Five preview. I know I, I know I typically kind of keep these previews a little bit short, a little digestible, because there's not a whole lot of time to to listen to these or read these before the game. But this won't be a little bit longer just because that mid season review. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get into it if that's okay with you. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Um, to, to call it a, a, a mid-season review is factual, I guess. Uh, not, not having a preseason and only having a month-long training camp made the first three weeks a, a really aggressive assessment period. It was, it, was just a, it was just assessing the players, but it was also figuring out this offense's identity as well. Uh, now, to be fair, every single team had to do this, so it's not like the Battlehawks are, are unique in any way. I... I would actually argue that the the Battlehawks have actually had an easier road because they haven't had a QB change to deal with. You know, everybody's been relatively healthy, and they were forced to make changes because of a suspension. Um, every other every other team in the XFL has tried out multiple QBs for one reason or, reason or another. Um, the only one that I think that you could argue, I guess, two that you could say haven't like. Because a talent is uh, uh, the the Sea Dragons had their backup come in for I think three plays and then Ben DiNucci uh, just went right back in and then the uh, uh, the defenders I think they're just fine with having two QBs they both have their own jobs um, but other than that every other team has uh, has had uh, uh, multiple QBs AJ McCarron has enough tape and is talented enough that the Battlehawks knew what they had at quarterback and never really had to try a backup because of his production. Um, as far as the, the injury things go, Brian Hill's the only real impactful player that's missed a game due to an injury. Uh, and that happened in week two because he had a hammy in week one on a punt return. Uh, what, what did the Battlehawks do after that? They stopped putting their workhorse running back in on special teams plays. Great job. Uh, I don't think I ever would have put him back there uh, to begin with, but hey, they learned, so I'm not going to be mad about that. If you want to say Marcel Aitman is another impact player, he never really made a huge impact except for like one catch in the first game, uh, but he's on the injured reserve, so I, I don't know if he's going to be coming back. Anyway, um, as far as the suspension thing goes, uh, we got to see Jared Jones-Smith's backup, Eric Magwood, a guy I've been talking about. Jones-Smith had been playing really poorly, uh, and then he decided to start bashing dudes in the week three fight, got suspended, and Magwood held up relatively well in the two games that he's played since. Um, Jones Smith, uh, his his sussy is over now, so we'll see on Saturday if the coaches think Magwood played well enough to earn the starting job. I think he did, um, but again, I'm just me. I'm not I'm not making decisions. I guess my my point for the whole thing is that the BattleHawks have had a pretty favorable year. Uh, they started off the season with two big comebacks, which not only shows you that the team doesn't quit, but also helps build the locker room. Um, unfortunately, as viewers, it, it makes us get all bummed out and disappointed every time they don't pull it off, especially when there's not really any chance of it happening, uh, and or that the team played so poorly that they don't deserve the win. Looking looking at you, week three and week five. Um, when we're when we're looking at the season as a whole, though, my rating is uh, it's going pretty well. You know, it's going pretty well. I don't know if that rating is going to be sustainable. Um, however, it might it might change as the season goes on. We're, we're looking at a Battlehawks team with an offensive line that has allowed the most sacks 
in the league in a defensive interior that's gotten the fewest sacks. But the team's still 3-2. and two. I know sack numbers aren't an end-all, be-all stat, but they, they can serve to be a pretty good canary in the coal mine. On, on the other side of that coin, though, the Battlehawks have the most forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and have the fourth most interceptions in the XFL, so they're getting... They're getting the turnovers. The 3-2 and two record is more indicative of those numbers uh, because if you win the turnover battle, you're going you're gonna to be in a better spot to win. Um, I've, I've said it a lot over the, the past five weeks on, on places this team can really improve. They've done some of those things, like getting the ball to Austin Pearl in space, using a running back to chip defensive ends, and, and just straight up keeping Kareem Walker off the field. That's all been good. They've seen success doing those things. There's got to be a little bit more change, though. Um, specifically been ragging on this we see jake sutherland catch every ball that's been thrown to him yet they throw the ball his way once a game we need to see more of our big jakey boy man we need to see more of him especially since he can be a reliable option when a play goes tits up like that's what that's what tight ends are great for uh we see Juwan bushel Beatty uh getting beat on what seems like over 75 percent of snaps and we haven't seen what his backup can do it's very frustrating because it it's keeping significant points off the board, and his lack of production has, head to a, has led to a handful of turnovers, man. Uh, after after seeing Magwood come in at left, ta- left tackle and how he was better than Jones Smith, not seeing the backup right tackle is making me question the judgment of whoever's assessing the offensive line. Uh, just I guess just to sum it all up, it stinks that 60% of the first 50% of the season was a wake-up period. But the Battlehawks have been relatively good. On offense, they got a smart and pretty athletic quarterback, one of the top three running backs in the league, and a solid wide receiver core uh, in, a, in a truly abysmal offensive line. On defense, they have guys on the interior that hunt for the ball. Uh, they have uh, physical defensive backs. Their glaring weakness on defense is their inability to stop, stop runs that get to the second level on the weak side uh, and their uh, inability to cover intermediate routes and, uh, and again, their, their lack of sacks. So... Definitely have room to improve, and that, I mean, obviously, you're watching it, you're like, man, this is tough in some spots, um, but they're doing relatively well. Don't, I'm just saying, don't freak out about the two losses to the best team in the league. They'll they'll be fine. I know they're tied with, tied with Seattle right now for second place, and it's only the top two teams in each division go to the playoffs, but I think they'll be fine, uh, especially since Ben DiNucci is Seattle's quarterback, and that guy's addicted to throwing interceptions. Um, okay, let's get into the preview, all right? Let's get into the preview. St. Louis Battlehawks, 3-2 and two at the Vegas Vipers, who are 1-4. and four. Um, Before I get into the game, I'm going to give you a warning, all right? This game is going to look weird. I watched a couple of Vipers games, and the, the thing that stands out is that their stadium is a minor league baseball field that was built as a rodeo venue. It looks funky. Um, they... They don't have the nets that come up to catch field goals, so when there is a field goal, the ball just goes flying. Uh, it's actually it's really funny when someone misses a field goal because not only did you miss it, but that ball just keeps going in the wrong direction. It just doesn't stop. It's a pretty funny thing to see. Um, hell, but behind one of the end zones is just the outfield wall with no seats, so the ball just fades into darkness. Uh, they covered up the, uh, the dirt infield um, with sod, and honestly, I don't like that. Dude, you guys are you guys are playing in a baseball stadium, and we all know it. Don't pretend that it's not. Give us the dirt so we can be like, oh, that's where third base is. Like that's that's a cool part about watching those old uh, uh, Chargers games and and Raiders games is be like, oh, that's that's where okay, that's where it is on the field. That's where it is in that stadium. Like that's what we're that's what we're here for. I'm just saying, coming off of two home games where the Battlehawks played in a full stadium and then going to this is gonna give you weird vibes. Um, anyway, all right, Battlehawks offense versus Vipers defense. 
speed rushes are going to crush these tackles. Speed rushes are absolutely going to crush the Battlehawks tackles. There's a guy, number 23, Maximilian Roberts, uh, who is a smaller defensive end who gets bend. And I'm talking bendy bend. It looks like he's running sideways when he's coming around the corner. Last week, the Vipers played against the Guardians, who also have a terrible offensive line. Uh, so it's actually a pretty good comparison to what, what we'll be seeing this week. Um, but they have a terrible offensive line, and those guys looked foolish. They looked foolish until they made some adjustments and brought in an extra blocker, which is what the Battlehawks are going to need to do. Uh, 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 Maximilian Roberts, he, he's a guy who's going to get sacks and maybe draw some holds later on. Um, that being said, early in the game against the Guardians, he Roberts, he was jumping off sides just because so, he was so eager to attack. Um, so they might they might benefit from that a little bit, get some get some favorable penalties. Uh, but the Vipers also have Vic Beasley, uh, who was an All Pro in the NFL in 2016. He hasn't been having the most productive year in the XFL. Uh, he's an older guy, um, but he hasn't been having the most productive year. But that's because he's demanding a lot of attention. If I'm the BattleHawks. I do the same thing. I, I keep giving him attention. Um, that being said, the aggression of those rushers can be taken advantage of. If if they if they can get exposed by having Brian Hill run outside, they're gonna get they're gonna get got. We know that the Battle Hawks receivers are good at blocking, and they'll be able to open up outside runs for eight to ten yards. Those their their corners are not near as physical. The Vipers' corners are not near as physical as the uh, Battle Hawks' corners. Um, We've seen it with a few teams, uh, but the the Vipers are are pretty susceptible to intermediate passes as well. Uh, Butler, Shepard, and Mitchell should be able to feast in those spots. If the Vipers adjust to that, it'll open up Prol and Hill to get open in space in the middle of the field, so that'll be good. Uh, let's just say we get an incredible outing from the offensive line, then Brian Hill will go crazy, but that's, that's kind of a duh thing. Uh, the, big, the biggest thing with this Vipers defense, though, and, and really the team as a whole, is that they can be beaten. They've had a lead going into halftime on four out of five of their games, and they lose. They're one and four. They lose. They they make stupid mistakes. They get stupid penalties and lose games. All right. Last week they won their first game, and it was against a team that also hadn't won a game yet. I would argue that it's almost better to play a team that's only won one game rather than a team that hasn't won any. Now now the BattleHawks don't have the pressure on them to not lose. They can just focus on winning. All right. So let's focus on BattleHawks defense versus the Vipers offense, okay? So the Vipers are one of those teams that had a whole bunch of bad stuff happen early in the season that set them back a whole lot. They were playing so poorly early on they had to get a new uh, offensive coordinator. This this new guy, Ray Sherman, will be calling his third game this Saturday. And you guys, you guys, he's bad at it. All right? He's bad at play calling. There were there were a handful of times in their last game where he's just like, "You know what? I don't want to call plays. I'm just going to let the quarterback do it." And then he just let their quarterback, Luis Perez, call the play. Happened multiple times. Uh, now, Luis uh, Perez, he's a decent quarterback. There, there was a minute there when the Vipers had uh, Brett Hundley starting, uh, but that time seems to be over. Uh, Perez is kind of a cerebral quarterback. He's, he's good at diagnosing what the defense is showing and adjusting plays based on that. Uh, he has trouble when he has to think during the play. All right, so it's going to be important for the defense to show different things pre-snap than have post-snap movement. If they do that, Perez is going to straight up have a bad time. Uh, he's he's definitely not an athletic specimen. Battlehawks have been burned by quarterbacks who can scoot when they tuck the ball and run. Perez ain't scooting. He's he's a lot like AJ in that he'll get three to five less yards than what it looks like he'll be able to get when he has room to run. Um, I don't think 
that those uh, uh, Jordan Tamu esque fifteen yard runs are going to happen. Um, he's just he's just not that Perez is just not that guy. He's also unfazed by pressure, um, which we haven't seen a whole lot of. A lot of these quarterbacks that we're playing against are kind of panicky, got squirrely feet, and start rolling out. Um, Perez he'll just stand and throw while he's in a collapsing pocket. Now he is quick to pull the trigger, which is why it's going to be important for that that defense to kind of confuse him with post snap movement. Uh, there should be opportunities for sacks and strip sacks, but that rush needs to get home quickly in order for that to happen. Uh, the Vipers, as far as like their playmakers go, they only have one big-time playmaker. They have a receiver in Jeff Bidette, who's a deep threat. Uh, he's actually leading the league in receiving touchdowns in 20-plus yard receptions. I imagine he'll make significant plays on the outside and intermediate areas, areas since that's one of the weaker covered spots for this defense. We've seen it with Lucky Jackson. Um, we've seen it with... Uh, against the Sea Dragons with uh, Ja'Core Pearson, and they had Josh Gordon do a few of those things. Um, so they're weak there, um, so I imagine he'll have plays there. Uh, the Vipers' offensive output is going to be based on how many times they shoot themselves in the foot. That's what it's going to come down to. These guys love penalties. Last week we saw the Battlehawks jump and hold uh, to turn third and manageable into third and long multiple times. Vipers have been doing that all season long. They're not a bad team athletically, but they aren't a good football team. Okay, they can play ball; they just can't play ball. All right, they shoot themselves in the foot and aren't good at staying ahead and winning. It's why they're one and four. Okay, here's my prediction: twenty-four to twenty BattleHawks. Okay, I don't want to say the BattleHawks will win. Okay, they're technically they're going to win the game, but I don't want to say they're win, and that's because I think you'll watch this game and say the Vipers beat themselves. That's it. That's the week five preview. That's where we're at. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. I appreciate you all. Uh, this was it's a tough week coming off of a, coming off a loss like that, and then having to rewatch that loss. But we're we're moving on. We're on to we're on to week six. No, shoot, this is week six. This is not the week five preview. This is week six. What am I talking about? I clearly don't know. Um, anyway. Thank you guys very much. Uh, if you have questions, you want to talk to me about this, um, I'm on Twitter, Jake L. Beckman, J-A-K-E-L-B-E-C-K-M-A-N. If you want to see me do stand-up, I'll be at the Westport Funny Bone all weekend. Um, two shows tonight, Friday at uh, 7.30 and 9.30, uh, Saturday 7 and 9.30, and then Sunday at 7. So come come out if you want to. If you want to do that, feel free. Say hi. Shake my hand. I want to shake his hand. Shake my hand. That's what we're looking for. Anyways, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you. I will talk to you on Sunday.